to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is... John Van Trieste. And the destination... The 1920s and 30s. Taiwan's 50 years under Japanese rule saw the birth of the island's tourism industry. During the 1920s and 1930s especially, improvements in transport and infrastructure brought what had once been a distant place within reach of those with the money and leisure to come. As Japan's first overseas colony, Taiwan was especially attractive to Japanese visitors. They came curious about this corner of the empire with its different climate and unfamiliar people. An ongoing exhibit at the National Museum of Taiwan History in Tainan is focused on one particular aspect of these first tourists' travels, the things they brought back with them to Japan. The exhibit is called An Impression of Taiwan, Travel Souvenirs. But it's more than just a collection of memorabilia. The kinds of souvenirs these tourists bought, and even what was on these souvenirs, tells us a lot about how Japan viewed its first colony, and what these tourists expected to get out of their visit to Taiwan. The exhibit also shows that today's travelers still follow the lead of these early tourists when they decide what to buy on vacation. Chen Jingquan is the museum's director of collections. Today, she tells us about the exhibit and the souvenirs that conjured up memories of Taiwan years ago. Ms. Chen says that looking through the collection of mementos housed in the exhibit, a few themes stand out. For visitors from Japan's temperate climate, Taiwan's warm weather, and especially its tropical fruit, stuck out. This was the period when pineapples and bananas came to represent Taiwan. This point is made pretty clear in the exhibit. You'll see a crate of Taiwan bananas and a brightly printed poster ad with a fresh banana bunch. Tropical fruits like these left an impression, and souvenir sellers played this up. There were Japanese rice crackers flavored with Taiwanese bananas and longans, a mixture of the familiar and the exotic. In one display case, there's even a poster ad with a woman holding up a pack of banana caramels, with a frond of banana leaves above her head and a bunch of fresh bananas in front of her. Another theme is Taiwan's people, the colonized. Ms. Chen says that at the time, the island was seen as less developed, even primitive, compared with Japan's home islands. She says one quaint popular image of Taiwan was of the island's old-fashioned Chinese-style houses with sloped red-tiled roofs. But it was Taiwan's aboriginal people who were viewed with the most curiosity. Ms. Chen says a writer called Sato Haruo was one of the people who helped create this curiosity. In 1920, he came to Taiwan at the invitation of an anthropologist friend who studied Taiwan's aborigines. Sato went on a trip that took him through aboriginal villages in Taiwan's mountainous center. He later wrote a work called Demon Bird with Taiwan in mind, mimicking the writing style of colonial anthropologists. Ms. Chen says after the story was published, 
tourist itineraries came to include more and more Aboriginal villages. In the exhibit, you can see Aboriginal knives, beads, pots, cloth, and pipes that tourists took away with them. This was tourism colonial style, more concerned with seeing than with understanding. In some cases, both tropical fruits and indigenous people made their way onto souvenirs. They were carved and painted on commemorative lacquerware plates. Pictures of both were also put onto many of the postcards tourists sent home. Ms. Chen says that the colonial authorities tried to promote a different image of Taiwan. They hope to turn industrial sites and infrastructure into tourist spots to impress on visitors that Japan's first colony was a success, full of what the colonial mindset thought of as progress. But judging from the objects in these display cases, that's not the impression of Taiwan that seems to have won out. Wherever tourists went during this period, there was one kind of souvenir they were sure to get. Commemorative stamps. All the major tourist attractions in Taiwan had stamps like these, featuring the name of the site and a decorative image. These allowed visitors to proudly prove they'd really gone to the places they said they did. And you'll still find stamps like these in some museums and scenic spots today. There are a number of examples at the exhibit, placed onto postcards and kept down through the years. From fine tropical fruit to stamps, Japanese tourists, like the well-dressed people in one black-and-white photo, would have had a lot to take in once they got to Taiwan. The man on the left in his western suit and the two women on the right in kimonos stand on a ship's deck. They may even have sailed aboard the Fujimaru, whose passages to Taiwan are advertised on a poster next to their photo. Were Taiwan's sights and souvenirs just there for the consumption of Japanese visitors? What about the ordinary Taiwanese person? Did local people join in? They certainly did. But as the exhibit explains, not in the same way. For most Taiwanese people of the time, going to see the sites usually happened under one of two circumstances. First, there were traditional pilgrimages and temple festivals. Believers in Taiwan's folk religion made use of the railway network to get to temples further from home. They would go together to these festivals in groups, advertising the dates of departure and return in the newspaper. If they had extra time, they might also go to visit some attractions near the temple they were going to. The other reason Taiwanese people traveled during this time was for educational field trips. These were for students. Ms. Chen says that travel for its own sake was less common among Taiwanese people because of the expense involved. It did happen, she says, but it depended on a family's financial situation. In any case, you can imagine that things like pineapples and bananas would not have seemed special to people who'd grown up with them. 
So what are we to make of these objects and photographs? Why does it matter what tourists so many years ago brought home with them? And why focus on the Japanese era in particular? This was an important period of change for Taiwan. Ms. Chen says people in Taiwan look back on the 1920s and 30s as a time when infrastructure was built, travel became easier, and a modern urban lifestyle arrived. Tourism to Taiwan began here, and it was a part of these changes. There's something else, too. A direct connection between this period and Taiwanese visitors who come to the exhibit. Many of the things they buy when they travel around the island today are local specialties that first became popular during the Japanese era. For example, Ms. Chen says, people going to Ilan might buy some locally grown kumquats, while people going to Lugang might bring back phoenix eye cakes, colorful sweets made from sugar and rice flour. It was the tourists of the 1920s and 30s who created Taiwan's first beaten path with a commemorative stamp for each stop along the way. With their souvenirs, they gave Taiwan symbols like the pineapple that people still identify with today. And they created a map of local specialties that people from Taiwan's different regions still proudly call their own. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. Visit RTI at English.rti.org.tw.